Welcome to Energetic Radio. I am your host, Dale Sybottom. Join me each week as I bring you amazing guests and interviews from some of the world's best operators. They will teach us how to bring fun, energy, and joy into each and every day. Let's get stuck in. Welcome to episode number 84 of the podcast, and today we're joined by James Shrimpko from superfastbusiness.com. Now, James is an elite high-level coach and one that gets amazing results with everybody he works with, but the reason I've got James on today is because he's written this fantastic book all about working less and making more. Now, that should appeal to everybody, and I know I've read this two or three times, and each time I've read it, I've taken away different things that I can implement, not only in my business, but also in my life, to get more meaningful discussions with people, get more time back, and just focus on the really important things in every facet of my life. Now, if you are thinking of starting a business, this book is for you. If you've got a side hustle, if you've got your own business, and James is going to share a wealth of knowledge that he's put into this book with me today. So sit back, enjoy. This is my chat with James Shrimko. A big warm welcome to James Shrimko. How are you, buddy? I'm better now, thanks to that warm welcome. It's been a little bit cool in the water here lately. Mate, so I, I know you're in Sydney, and today in Melbourne, it was bitterly cold this morning. I can't imagine what it was like surfing. What was the water temperature like today? Uh, it was 16 degrees, which uh, was warmer than outside, and uh, that first duck dive, when you get the little icicle head rush, is always fun, and then you warm up, but uh, I'm so dedicated to the sport. I'm going to do it every day anyway. Oh, mate, I love that. And now for people listening, James is not a professional surfer. I'm sure you're getting better at it, but uh, got you on the podcast, mate, because you're a life coach, you're a business coach, and for, for one of the best books I've read this year, Work Less, Make More, um, it's really changed the way I look at things, and I just want to share that with everyone. So do you want to just paint the picture a little bit, James, about uh, maybe 10 years ago before you started your business and what you were doing and, and why you actually decided you wanted to make a change? in your life? Okay, well for that we have to go back about 12 and a half years ago and I was a general manager of a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Sydney watching the US finance market collapse wondering if I would still have a job and I basically decided I need to have my own business but I'm not sure what and I worked really hard in my private time to find that business. It, It turned out that i taught myself how to build a website and for the next two and a half years every single night I rolled out this uh, 10-foot cable plugged it into the socket and uh, got online and started building my business to the point where uh, 10 years ago from now I was able to quit my job and take that business on full time and and then just and this is probably important for today's discussion for the next five or six years I just pedaled like crazy to build that business strong and then over the last five years, I've been able to pull back a little bit and especially the last couple of years, really limit my work week to about 20, 25 hours. I really just, I'm in a semi-retirement energy level phase for my business so that I can actually enjoy my life now. 
And I, I love that, mate. And I know that uh, I was on your podcast recently. I think it was episode number 593. And I think that just shows the credibility that you're rolling, mate. And, and you are saying that uh, the last financial year you were able to make nearly double or you are making more money and you worked half the time that you worked in the previous financial year? Yeah, I made a little bit more money, but I worked half as much. I actually did the, the numbers. I track such, such things as... Uh, how long? Because it's easy to monitor now on your phone and your computer how much time you spend on it, and that was really mind blowing. I guess I'm pushing the limit as to how leveraged I can get things, and there are a few combinations that are in play there. It would be a mistake to look at my business now and think, uh, "Oh, you know, I'll just get to that stage straight away." There is a lot of time involved and a lot of effort involved, but what I set out to do was to write down some of the most important features of how to get there, put them into a book, and make it a bit easier. The average person is only two and a half hours away from getting the recipe for what I do, and they're, they're probably going to then spend a few years just refining. If they could make a few changes just from reading the book, I think there would be significant gains to be made in just about any situation, whether you're an employee uh, or if you have your own business, even better. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that I love about the book, mate, is that um, obviously if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, it's fantastic. But for people that may be wanting to start a side business or start a side hustle, as people call it, or a little interest project on the side, it's really beneficial there. And some of the things I loved about that were just time management, talking about apps, um, the need for sleep, working out your EHR. Um, did you design that around the fact that people would want to read this that may not own a business already? I did. I wrote it for my kids. And they're at that age uh, between 22 and 15 where they're sort of coming into the workforce and they've got different paths they can go down. One of them's going to university to become a vet. The other three are unlikely to take that academic route. One of them's a mechanic Another one is uh, a rock musician, and the other one's pretty much a full-time gamer. <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> I've lost him somewhere between school and a job, uh, so we'll find him again. But, uh, you know, it's at this critical juncture where they can take a different path than perhaps what we were taught by our parents. You know, when I grew up, and, and probably for you too, Dale, you go to school, and then the idea is you do some other school after the first school, you do some higher education, and then you go and get employed by someone and you have a job and you stay there for a while. That was it. And, and you, of course, you meet someone, get married, buy a house, have a mortgage, you get a, a loan on your car, and then you buy furniture and stuff on a credit card. And that, that can pretty much see you out for the next 10 or 20 years <laughs> if you're in that cycle. There are other ways to do it, though, and that's really what I wanted to bring to everyone's attention, you know. If, if that script is the only script running in your mind, there are other options. So get, get some of the, uh, the key points and you can really turn things into a, a different sort of lifestyle. And, and that's what I'm excited about. I like seeing the change that I can help people with where they start doing things that not everyone else does. Yeah, I, I love that, mate. And I think 
the method behind the reason you wrote the book is fantastic. And the the one thing I loved about it, mate, is you know you can knock it over in a couple of hours. Um, I've listened to the audio book a couple of times, and each time I listen to it, I get new ideas or new little takeaways that are really simple to implement and with huge gains. And one that um want to talk to you about one that I've battled myself with is that not creating a product uh, before you have clients. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so a lot of people, they, they sort of get excited about this idea of having their own business and they're going to, uh, they get an idea and then they set about doing things like uh, getting their business cards and uh, leasing an office and hiring people to help them with their project and then they start making things and they, uh, you know, whether it's a book and they fill the garage with 30,000 copies of their self-published book or whether it's uh, some kind of tricky pottery or a, a travel item that they've invented, they get focused on the product and then they try and find an audience to sell it to and often that can be quite difficult and they have this sort of sinking realisation. They've invested all this time and energy and money into something that people may not even want and uh, you might find out that there are big competitors who are just cheaper to the market or have some point of difference that you can't compete with. So a different way to do it is to take a, a leaner approach and there are books on this topic, a good one's called The Lean Startup, and they talk about terms like minimum viable product. But that's simply finding out, is there a market? Are they interested uh, in this product? Not by asking them if they'd like the product, because you'll generally get, they'll say yes, and then you make it, and then they don't want to buy it. Instead, uh, you sell it first, and then you make it. And you might be listening to this thinking, how are you going to sell something before uh, you make it. Well, if you've ever been to a live event, uh, bought tickets for a concert, for example, maybe a rock star's visiting your town, you purchase the ticket and then they put on the event. So generally it's covered. If they can't cover the ticket sales, they'll probably cancel it and refund the ticket. So that's an example of one way to do it. There are other ways to do it. Uh, for example, if you were if you were Dale and you were teaching people about fun, then you could be chatting to someone like a business owner and they say, Dale, I've got this huge problem. I'm always stressed out. My team thinks I'm cranky and they're not performing well. And you could say, well, you know, I think I could probably help you with that. And they might say, Dale, any way you could help would be great. And you say, great. If you just pop uh, $2,000 into this bank account, uh, then I'm going to come around next Wednesday and run a session for your team. And they say, that's great. Thank you so much. And that is validation. That means your audience not only has a problem that you can solve, but they're prepared to pay you for the solution. And from that, amazing things can happen. It wouldn't matter if it wasn't worth your time for that one event. It's just getting started that is important. And then you refine and adjust from there. And a great example of that is when I quit my job 10 years ago, uh, most of my income was coming from selling internet uh, website building software. I don't even build websites anymore. I, I wouldn't even know how to start. So my business has moved along uh, into a different direction and matured and, and changed and evolved over the last 10 years. But I started, and that's the important thing. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, and do you find that a lot of people, uh, they, they don't know where to start or they're, I call a lot of people gunners because I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but they actually don't do anything. What, what would be maybe just one or two bits of advice, James, to somebody listening along that um, maybe has a hobby of crochet or um, collecting cars or baseball cards or knitting or anything like that? What might be one or two tips just to get started? Well, a couple of things. One is um, what do they already spend money on? And because let's say they're interested in crochet or buying and selling cars. Uh, the buying and selling cars one I, makes me smile a bit because I used to do that. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd see a car on the side of the road, run down, out of registration, flat tires, and I'd knock on doors until I found the owner and I'd buy it from them for $400 or a couple of hundred dollars and I'd get it towed home. And then I would restore it and register it, put new tires on it, uh, paint it, and then sell it for like $2,700. And that was one of my early sort of business uh, income streams. I always made money on cars, which was a good indicator because later on I turned into a professional car salesperson. (laughs) And that gave me all the skills that I needed to run the business I have now. So... What do you already do and what do you already spend money on? Because that's something you could lean into a bit. Is is there a chance that you could help someone else who's also interested in doing that? And that's that's where you could put together a guide or you might coach someone in the process. Or you could quite literally find a friend of yours who's interested in making a bit of cash and say, would you like me to teach you my method for finding abandoned cars on the side of the road and restoring them and selling them for a profit? If someone says yes, you say, great, I will teach you the process. And all I ask is that you give me 20% of the profits when you sell the car. That's all I ask. That's my fee for teaching you this. So you can still do yours. And every time they sell one, you make 20%. I, I like that, mate, and and that way you're sort of putting the ball in their court. You know, the, the potential for earning is really sky's the limit, depending how well your coaching goes and how good advice you give them. Now, I know that you do a lot of high level coaching, and my mentor and good friend Jared Robinson is one of your success stories. And I was always wondering, James, why was Jared so so concerned about me reading your book? And I didn't realise that he took up nearly a whole chapter, mate. No, no wonder he wanted me to read your book. Do you want to? Um, I know a lot of my audience will know Jared. Do you want to just explain a little bit about the case study and, and just the transformation you did with him? Yeah, well, I could have put Jared in just about every chapter because he's so prolific. Uh, but the, the short story is I went to an event in the Philippines and there were some round table masterminds. And we sat down at this mastermind and there's this guy called Jared and he's really helping people out with his products. He helps PE teachers with technology. I think he's the, the first and, and best and world's only PE geek, right? He's taken that position. It's his, yep. Uh, but I was absolutely gobsmacked to discover that Jared still worked as a PE teacher. And there's nothing wrong with that and I'm all for – educators they have fantastic jobs for uh, relatively low pay right but I said Jared this business of yours you know if, if you actually weren't teaching and you spent your time on this business you could really help a lot more PA teachers and that turned out to be true and the other things he would he was doing he had far too many products he was 
prolifically creating a zillion things, but not really getting that far with each of them. There were small successes, but all added up. It was consuming a lot of his time. So what I did is help him find out of the things he was doing, which ones were the most profitable, which ones had the most opportunity. And if we just did those, so the first step is get rid of the job. Uh, And we had to shatter a lot of beliefs as well. He had plenty of beliefs holding him back. He said, oh, James, I can't quit my job because if I'm not a PE teacher, then I won't have enough credibility to sell to PE teachers. And I said, Jared, I think you've earned your stripes. <laughs> I, I really, I think you've, you've done enough to, to validate this experience now. And then he was running in-person workshops and he had a, a set number of people that he could teach and no more. And I said, why not more? And he goes, oh, just, uh, this is the number. I said, try adding some more. And he did, and it worked. I said, now, why don't you just not go to these at all? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, why don't you send someone else, train up someone to deliver this on your behalf? So now these workshops could run without him. And he had some solutions that he was selling one time, and I suggested that his customers are probably going to have ongoing needs, and he could put them on a recurring situation. So we turned some of his products into subscriptions. And now uh, Jared has a little baby and uh, a puppy dog that chews all sorts of items in the <laughs> little house. Little Billy, yep. Little Billy. He's uh, a bit of an Instagram phenom. And <laughs> uh, you know, he's able to now have this amazing life where he's spending time with his baby and um, stealing toys from his dog before they get chewed and He's got all these customers that he helps all around the world uh, on an ongoing basis, and they pay him for that, and he looks after them properly. So he's found leverage, and he's doing what he loves. So Jared is is such a joyful person to work with because he tries stuff. You tell him to do something, he, he might not understand why, but he'll give it a go anyway, and then the results come, and he's encouraged by it. And then he just gets the lesson, and then he applies the same lesson to the next thing and the next thing. So he's, I think because he is a teacher, he really gets it. Yeah. And he cares so much about his students, which is obviously very important if you're going to be any kind of coach. You actually have to care about the outcomes of your students. Yeah, and I think uh, from when when I uh, listened to your book the first time, um, I took a lot of lessons away from that because I think I was about two years behind Jared doing nearly every step that uh, you just mentioned there. So even though I wasn't in your coaching groups, I still took a lot of advice. And I think that's the best thing about this book, James. That you have sort of I know your high level your high level coaching is your silver circle, and basically I'm I'm pretty sure that you have given away most of your tips in this book. Is that sort of right? Am I getting that sort of feel? Well, the book is a summary of ten years, so you should have seen what went into the drafts of the book. And uh, <laughs> my friend Kelly Exeter helped me make this book. She was pivotal. Uh, and sort of taking my own advice there with building a team, I surround myself with people who are far more talented than I am. And she took an incredible number of transcriptions. She sent me question after question and I talked the answers for hours and hours. I, I don't know how many hours there were, but if you were to add up the info products that she poured through, the forum posts, the audios that I sent her, some of them were an hour long, and I sent at least 10. Right? I'm sure there was potentially 
60 or 70 or even 100 hours worth of content that we strained into this book, which I think takes around about four hours to listen to uh, or three and a half hours, something like that, two hours to read. And it, it, it's the digest. So, yes, it, it's you take all that coal and you squash it into this diamond. I think a big part of what I'm doing in the high-level group is I'm helping people with their ongoing needs. So, yes, I definitely recommend they read the book and they have context for what we're doing. And then within each of the areas, you know, there's only so much you can put in the book, but it's definitely the highlights. And if all you had was that book, that would be enough to get significant results. And for some people, they have a degree of complexity or they just like having someone to chat to, uh, which is fine. <laughs> some of my very best customers, uh, we just chat either on Messenger or we hop on a call every now and then and have a chat. And that's really helpful for them because there's not many people who are doing what they're doing at the level they're doing it at, which means that you can get a bit lonely as well. Yeah, I think that is one of the things that, uh, you know, having a coach is sometimes more of a, a sounding board or someone to feed ideas off because a lot of time you are working by yourself. Now, I know in the in the book you talk about building a team and most of your team is in the Philippines as virtual assistants. Now, this is something that uh, a lot of people use. I know I've got a couple of virtual assistants. Um, for people that may not be aware of this, what's the process like and is it easy to get a VA? It's easy if you use my wife's recruitment company. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a big. Well, uh, if someone's interested in that, just send me a message, a private message somewhere. I'll, I'll hook you up. But um, the, the bottom line is, it was always a hard one to do because I didn't use the jobs boards when I built my team. I got a word of mouth referral from a friend of mine, and from that one referral, I built a team of sixty-five team members and when I sold two parts of my business uh, the two teams went with that and I kept uh, just five people now I have five in the team and that's all we need for the size business that we run now with coaching it's not a very labor-intensive business (laughs) other than me (laughs) Uh, but that's okay I enjoy it and it's very leveraged uh, but it, it was hard to, to go through the job sports, et cetera. I never went down that path. So to solve that, uh, you know, once I sold the service businesses, we didn't need extra people. So I'm always able to find people and we have good connections. So a lot of my customers just go through me now and get that. But if you are looking for someone and you don't have that facility, then you could definitely craft an advertisement for the type of person you're after. And you can go through the traditional routes by using those classified sites or an online recruitment board. But I would say over time, use that as as a base to get referrals from someone who's in the country and get the, the culture happening for you. So I, I think from memory, we even helped Jared find one of the people in his team. So... Uh, you know that's that's definitely the way to go. Like anything, if you if you're going to buy a car or 
look for someone to build some cupboards in your house, you definitely ask around your, your friends for a good recommendation before you hit the yellow pages, if that even exists anymore. <laughs> I, I reckon people listening won't even know what the yellow pages uh, are. <laughs> it used to be this big, thick book, you know, before the internet, and it listed everybody. <laughs> I think uh, that was just used for a doorstop in the last few years, James, but um, I think that's great advice, and I know that one of my VAs was a recommendation from Jared as well, and I think anywhere in life that you look for recommendations, is something fantastic. Now, well, just a couple more questions about obviously the process of writing the book. And um, I know you said you had some fantastic people helping you out and everything, James. But is there any anything you learnt from the process of putting down, you know, your ten to twelve years of learnings into, you know, your two-hour fantastic book? I've learnt that it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's it's actually hard to write a concise, to the point, no waffle book. Reminds me of that letter uh, that was. I'm sorry, my letter's so long. I didn't have time to write a shorter one uh, because I think a lot of it's in the editing. So for me, my process is I have to somehow um, translate what I'm thinking and doing into structure. So I had to document things. So I've actually, uh, believe it or not, for the last nine years. As I've been coaching, I take notes every single time I coach someone and I had to look through my notes and, and digest to look for the patterns and the, the, the things that are in common. So I'm working on my second book now, great example. My second book is really for people who are already making good money and want to have consistent six-figure months, so making at least $100,000 a month this book's for those people to, to make 100000 a month consistently. And so what I've done is I've looked for the common points for my best customers. What do all my best customers have in common? And then I have to document it. And then Kelly asks me questions and I read out the answers. I record them and then they get transcribed. And then when we want to fill in a chapter that, that we're looking to do, I'll make that the topic of a monthly training in my super fast business membership and then I'll deliver the training for 60 or 90 minutes. I will have put in four or five hours of preparation for that training and then it gets transcribed and then it might end up as a chapter. So one of the chapters in that book that you've read is the building a team chapter and that came from a training that I delivered about six or seven times uh, in different environments and refined and refined until we got it down to the core presentation so that's my process and it actually takes a while uh i put together you know like a a proper book that's um you know you can hold in your hand if you wanted to use a book just to make money you would not have to go to that that step you could literally jot down 10 or 20 points of a process or system or something, a technique that you have developed. And then you could just record that. Uh, there's even services out there where you can record them in just about 90 minutes. One session of preparation and planning, then one session of recording. And then they will transcribe that into a little booklet and list it on Amazon with its own ISBN number. And you can start selling that even as a digital download and generating leads. So that's a faster process. I would say that's more of a, a pamphlet or a booklet. So there is a place for for different types of books. In this case, you could probably say it's partially ego or pride, but I wanted a, a proper book that I could put on the bookshelf and to hand to my kids and say, look, this is what I know now. 
that I wish I knew when I was your age. And any business owner will get something from that book, even the advanced ones, because it's deceptive uh, because it's easy to read. But it's it's actually quite concentrated, and and I th- and I think you've pointed out something really critical. If you read it a few times, you'll definitely get more things from it. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing I've taken away from it, James. And that you know, a, a lot of books you'll read over and over, and it's sort of a similar story. Whereas what I love about yours is that each chapter there's actionable things that you can go and do. And um, when I read it the first time, I probably wasn't ready for certain steps. Whereas when I went through again um, the last week just to go over it again before I interview, I picked up other things. And I've already started actioning them. So for people listening, um, I. I think it's just full of little gold gems like that. So um, I've got a couple more questions before we just sort of wrap up, James. And I'd like to ask all my guests this, and that's um, if you could go back to 18-year-old James, um, you know, when you were just dominating the scene as a teenager, mate, um, is there one bit of advice that you wish you could look back now and tell yourself? And I don't want that to be surfing, if that's all right, mate. (laughs) Damn. Okay. <laughs> I knew I'd better uh, throw that in there because I knew, I knew you would just say, make sure you take up surfing. You know, um, it's an interesting one. I've, if, if you're a fan of movies like Back to the Future or any time travel, um, I would be scared to interrupt the the universe and, and, you know, worried that I mightn't end up where I am now. It, it might sound terribly arrogant or something, but... I'm very happy with the way things are right now and I know I had to go through all of the lessons and challenges that I went through to be in this exact position at this exact time. So I wouldn't want to mess with that. I, I, I can't see myself being substantially better off if that makes sense. Yeah, so I guess in if that were the case, I might say what my grandfather used to say to me, which was he used to say, son, it's all written in a big book. And I think that was his way of saying, look, it's, whatever pans out, it was meant to be that way. It's, 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 you know, it's all been written down before you even get there. So when you get your challenges or you, whatever, that's just the chapter. It was in the book. Deal with it. Move forward. Uh, I guess it, it's quite convenient for me to be able to say, well, I would have liked to be able to give myself this book. Because <laughs> that, that is the short answer. I would say the things that are in the book – I would have liked to tell myself. So I would have said um, focus on finding a solution that you can offer that people can continue to pay for. It's not a one-time solution. It's a recurring solution. And I would have said have have confidence in yourself. Don't worry so much about what everyone else is doing because most of them are unhappy or just wrong. If the average person – uh, and look, I'm not an average person. Again, I'm not saying that as a special elitist type person. I recognise that I'm doing things a bit differently to to other people. Okay, so I'm not saying I'm better than average. I'm just saying I'm different. Uh, but when I go to my annual catch up with some friends who I used to hang out with before, even before I was 18, I've known these people since I was about 12. And every time we go and catch up the discussion generally revolves around how tired they are, how little money they have, how tough things are, and so on and so forth. And I just I just think, 
that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, why, don't you do, why don't you do something about it? I actually gave them my book last time I met them. I'm not sure how they reacted to that. <laughs> but, yeah, they've all got a house. They've all got kids. They've all got a mortgage. They're all working. And they're just it's my peer group who have gone just down a completely traditional path. And I'm just grateful that I took a different path. So it's okay to be a bit contrarian. You know, I even put that on the cover that my approach is counterintuitive. I want to be uh, a little bit thought-provoking. I know that can come off sometimes as uh, as as being salty or of um, you know annoying. People might not like me because some of the things that I say might threaten the the very uh, code that they're built on. You know, if you built on consistency and tradition and doing things because they've always been done that way then this is very confronting to realize that you don't have to do it that way but you don't have to do it that way yeah i and do you know one thing that i think that's a great answer and um i'm pretty sure by reading the book that that's the advice that i would give uh, myself as well james i really like that but the one thing i love and how honest you were that you did work like crazy and you slugged it out and you did all this hustle and and you just worked yourself to the bone and you actually worked yourself so you were you were unhappy you're unhealthy and you weren't you weren't in a good state i know you put on a bit of weight and so forth like that and i wanted to leave this to the end but you've finally found a love of play of exercise in your life and that's surfing can you just describe why you think everybody needs to have a surfing in their life. And it doesn't have to be surfing. And I know I spoke about this with you and your passion for that um, on when I was on your podcast. But what has surfing uh, given you? What, what feelings and what has that done to your body? Well, firstly, we can't all surf because it's going to be too crowded in the lineup. Uh, please wait for the wave pools, all right? <laughs> um, but if you can find your thing, whatever that is, for me, it's surfing. Uh, it, it was so much more than the physical sport. I kind of started in it by accident because I was in Hawaii. I was at a retreat that I'd put on with my co-host of a podcast, Ezra Firestone, and when it was done – he grabbed this foamy and chucked it in the car and we drove down to the beach and he paddled out over a reef and stood up and surfed back to shore. I'm like, this guy's a lunatic. And he <laughs> said, come on, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I tried and I fell off instantly. But I, I then, you know, next thing you know, I'm living at the beach. I have a friend with a surfboard store who loaned me a board and then I just dragged it across the road every day and tried. And it's so hard. I even broke my rib. Like, it, it's tough. And you have to stick at it. And I was already 42 by this stage, so my, my physical prime's past it. I also, at the end of my street was a coffee shop and they had beautiful boards and they served coffee and all this really weird, hippie, healthy food, you know, activated this and <laughs> unpasteurized that. And they were just very friendly, nice people. I actually liked the culture and how chilled they were. And by the end, I was walking down there in bare feet and, uh, <laughs> you know, like I found my inner hippie, I suppose. <laughs> I'm a lot more chilled than I've ever been now. So if you combine this sort of the challenge, it was very challenging. I, it, it helped put me back in beginner's mind and to relate to my customers better. This is about five years ago, by the way. So from five years ago to now, I got to understand again how hard it is for my customers when they start working with me because they're like the beginner surfer getting smashed around struggling for fitness, not knowing a thing about it, 
I remember paddling out into huge waves one day. I didn't even know how much I didn't know. I was crazy. And I, I, I didn't even make it past the whitewash. Um, but I, I was just that naive. In any case, um, now I'm at a, at a reasonably competent level. It's, it's given me so much. I've got fitness. My pulse has dropped like 20 beats per minute. I have stamina and energy and strength and agility and um, awareness, acuity. I can hold my breath for much longer. I'm much calmer. I can handle pressure more. I've got a place to think and digest ideas away from Facebook and social media. I'm still retaining some of the joys that we had. Um, probably not you, Dale, but when I was a kid, it was like riding around on our BMX bikes. There weren't phones. We didn't have computers in the house. Uh, so it was it was like this untethered life, like the old days. And to get back to an analog existence is really healthy. I think people have just gotten caught up in this whole technology stuff that they're just so addicted they don't even realize it so anyway it's just given me a lot of perspective it's it teaches me lessons about nature and the environment and about myself more than anything Uh, i mean today it's cold like i mentioned earlier the waves are very big the the sets are six or seven feet tall and i paddle out i walk down barefoot i paddle out i navigate I think I paddled three or four kilometres today and I didn't manage to hurt myself or anything. And uh, I get this exhilarating rush of flying down a wave that has travelled thousands of kilometres across the ocean to get here and I get to catch it for the last bit. And they and uh, Laird Hamilton, he says, you don't ride waves, they let you ride them. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, when I'm floating around in different places, it's amazing seeing, like, turtles or dolphins or seals or fish just walking around, you know, cruising around underneath you. It's 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 really magical and it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't do it. Well, I can, I can just hear by the uh, passion and enthusiasm in your voice, James. And hats off to you, mate, because I went for a walk down the beach today with my dog. And I know Victoria is a little bit colder uh, than what it is in Sydney, but mate, your game getting in that water. Now, James, I really appreciate your time today. Um, you can grab your book, Work Less, Make More, on Amazon, Audible, and I know you can grab it through your website. Um, where else can we find out more about you, mate? Or if people you know, want to join up to one of your lower level coaching or your higher level ones, um, because I'm sure they've been listening along today and going, wow, this guy is on and I want to get more of it. Oh, that's incredibly kind, Dale. I would say go to superfastbusiness.com. From that site, you can find the right level of solution. And there's, as you mentioned before, there's quite a few podcasts and there's one with you there. That'd be a great starting point. (laughs) Perfect, mate. Well, uh, thanks for that, James. I really appreciate your time today, mate. And uh, good luck with the surfing. And uh, guys, go and grab a copy of the book because it is epic. Thanks, mate. Thank you.